Welcome to a University of Bath IPR policy podcast. This is really, if you like, a taster for uh, a new master's in public policy that we are launching uh, at the University of Bath. You have information about it on your chairs. Um, it is a uh, two-year course. It's done uh, mostly by distance learning. Um, there will be residentials here and in Bath. Um, and it's a course which is designed to build the skills and knowledge uh, experience uh, of people that want to work in public policy or who are already in public policy but want to develop uh, their knowledge to the level of a master's degree. Um, and it will be uh, across the piece in how we think about public policy from the sort of theory of public policy from political theory through to very practical uh, applications, particularly in the field of data and digital, the, the sorts of things we're going to be talking about tonight. So um, when you've uh, you know, listened to what Paul has to say, um, if there's things that you want to ask him and then ask us about the course and what you might learn uh, when you do the course, please do feel free to do so. We'll have a Q&A uh, afterwards. And I first met Paul when he worked in the Prime Minister's Strategy Unit doing strategic work on policy. They're in teams, things like crime, uh, education, health, um, cross-cutting projects, looking at areas of policy with a sort of long-term in mind, thinking strategically about what government should be doing. Um, so that's where we first met Paul. Um, but from there you went to the... Home office, I think. I did. I, I went to be director of strategy in the Home Office uh, in about 2008. So it was so Gordon Brown had taken over uh, in number 10. There was a period of time, and then I sort of moved over when Jackie Smith was uh, uh, Secretary of State or Home Secretary, um, and stayed there for uh, three different Secretaries of State, and then moved on in about. Uh, <coughs> I remember about 2011, I think, I, I moved out uh, when Theresa May was, uh, uh, had been uh, Home Secretary for about a year or so. Yeah. And then you went into the, what was then the Government Digital Service, I think? No, so, I, I, so actually I spent a couple of years um, in uh, Leicestershire County Council. So I, I did this secondment. It was a really interesting uh, period because I didn't know, uh, I you know, didn't have my network. It was a different, I mean, it's very similar, but it was a different sort of environment. Um, and that was fascinating. I did a, a bunch of things on schools reform, so um, what was happening on academies in the county and the repercussions of having academies on different school services. And I also worked in the chief execs department on cross-service commissioning, so trying to get a number of services to come together so you spend more on the earlier interventions rather than the, um, the, the fortune on various different services at the acute level. Did that for a couple of years, then came back to um, uh, first the, the cabinet office um, working with uh, Francis Maud, so originally um, coming back just to look at uh, open data, which was uh, had uh, relatively recently really started to take off as a thing, um, and then quite quickly that broadened into a broader government innovation group in the cabinet office. So I had a mixture of the um, the analysts in the cabinet office. I had uh, a bunch of things on policy reform. <coughs> uh, so open policy making was was a title that we used to set up policy lab. Um, and then also had a bunch of things on data, so including open data, and that started to evolve. Um, and then it became a bigger thing, we realised that was sort of missing from the digital side, and then went over to uh, the government digital service where I, where I led the work on data. And now in the ministry? Now in the, now in the ministry, right now, it's a you know. Um, uh, and it's, that, it's interesting, really, that sort of arc of, re for me, being there on the edge of public service reform, and actually to see that, how that evolved um, in my journey, really, I suppose through data into the broader digital space. But actually, um, there's, you know, some of my colleagues, and it's interesting, you know, 
some of us from those same times when you say back in 2000 and whatever it was, four, um, you know, ending up in similar paths because if you're interested in public service reform, actually this is the space where so much of that is happening. So what, what you can hear from that already immediately is that civil servants like Paul do do different things. They do a mix of policy, delivery, both in the central government, sometimes in local government, um, and then back into departments. And that kind of mix in currently means you can do lots of different things. But I think what's, what's really unique about Paul is just this, um, what he's done, the relationship between policy and data and digital. So that's really what Paul's going to talk about yeah, yeah. this evening, because this is an interface which it, it isn't just about delivery, it isn't just about implementation, but nor is it just about policy. There's a very complex interface between the two in respect of data and digital government. So I will leave you, Paul, to, uh, to thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I should say, you know, that, that for me is one of the reasons why with the IPR it's such an important partnership because it's, uh, you know, I wish there was more places that were looking at that, those intersections, perhaps, um, and from people uh, coming through into government. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here and why I'm very pleased to be. Right, so what I want to talk about is. Um, uh, in some ways, that that um, that path that I've been on, and I'm going to use the the work um, on data as as a sort of grounding point for that for the talk um, this evening. Um, but hopefully, I'll give you that stretch out into the uh, those previous worlds and how why I think my overall story, I think, is why I think that um, you can no longer have just simple policy professions or digital professions or people who work in data, uh, particularly if you're a specialist analyst, but actually. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a deep need for these worlds to be connected in different ways than how they have been uh, to date, and I think we're starting to see some of that happening. So, um, as you say, I've sort of you know, gone through a bit of that uh, journey. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with three things of what's, what's new, particularly on the, say, the data and the digital part, a bit about my, um, my more recent time in um, the Ministry for Housing Communities and Local Government, where I've been for a little under a year. Uh, and then some just challenges on the data side to get to get some perhaps some of the um, the, the juices flowing get the right pattern. Um, so what's new? Or let's start off with what's not new. Um, I had a particular sort of uh, moment burned in my mind um, uh, quite a few years back now. It was with the heads of profession. Now I'm trying to remember what was it the heads of statistics or the heads of economics across the government departments. And I was there to say, look, um, there's this, you know lots of data science techniques, a lot of things on machine learning, a lot, lots of really interesting new techniques. But across government, that's we don't really have that. We don't really know where the people are that can do it, and what we're going to do about that. And someone, one of the you know heads of professionals, sort of leant back and folded their arms, sorry, microphone, and said, "Well, you know, it's not like you invented maths, Paul." And it's like, you know, I didn't invent maths. Uh, you know, that's really not the thing. And in fact, you know, there's this long and noble uh, uh, tradition of. Uh, analysts working in government, and indeed these like I love these old visualisations from Florence Nightingale. You know, uh, back in the day, before government was even anything like we recognise it today. You know, a, a really long and serious history of analytical uh, work in and around government. Um, but I'm not going to talk much about that. I just want to talk about where these different these new worlds combine because. We have, wrong button again, I'll get this right. Um, we have the internet. How hard is it to find pictures of the internet on the internet? There's an irony. So this is me typing internet on my desk. Um, <laughs> you know, something really serious has changed in our environment with the technologies, but the processes, the mindsets that are associated with that. You know, we have, we're, we're used to a world of uh, social media and streaming, and the way in which we use data in and around our, our, our private lives has changed phenomenally. Um, and I guess the question is, well, what are the implications of that uh, that change for the way in which we do work in and around government? 
So as we've said, I, I, I took a bunch of data teams into the government digital service and set up, we had at the time three pillars. So there was a set of work on digital, a set of work on the deeper technologies, and I had this third pillar on, on data. And I had a, a, I brought together a bunch of teams from different places to, to, to start work on that. The times have changed and you know, that, that structure's not there. There's not a, a specific data uh, uh, strand now in, in um, GDS. Uh, but I still think this is quite a useful way into the story, so just an apologies for uh, uh, retaining the use of uh, this structure. So a little bit about um, data policy. So again, if, you know, first thing, well, let's, let's find where these places about policy making and data fit together. We have this luxury of being able to you know, change the underlying decision-making framework in government through legislation uh, now and again. It takes a long time, and it's often overstated as a, as a lever. Um, but what, one of the things we did do was um, uh, recently in the Digital Economy Act, we had a strand uh, that changed the terms on which you could do data access and data sharing across different uh, parts of the public sector. So mainly for uh, taking personal data for statistics or for where there was a particular benefit for a, um, uh, for a, a citizen or a service user, um, uh, you know, very much uh, contested through the period of time. It took us about five years, so I was working on it for five years. I suspect others were working on it for longer. Um, but uh, uh, last year that went through, and I think alongside the GDPR uh, um, uh, legislation is probably one of the big things that will change the terms of the debate are, uh, on data in government. Having said that, I think this question of data sharing is often overstated as a problem. A uh, number of times I've sat with groups of people from more junior to super senior going, we can't do this stuff because data sharing, the law won't allow us to do it. Um, and very often when you start to probe into it, it evaporates as a reason. It's sort of a little bit like the Human Rights Act or something, you know, like the um, health and safety or something. You know, actually, you start to look at it, you, you can do more things. But when it is a hard stop, it's definitely a hard stop. And so that has been a, a, an important uh, change, I think, in recent years, something that I, I was pleased to see come through. Uh, and on the policy side, something on a, you know, if you think that's an area where in some ways we're trying to remove some of the restrictions appropriately in some places, in other areas, it's interesting that we're trying to put, in some ways, more friction and more thought processes in. Now, uh, I mentioned a little bit about the work we did on data science. I'll talk about that in a moment. But one of the things that I tried to have introduced right alongside when we started to talk about this in government, and we started to bring this work together a few years back, was to have was one of the strands about the ethics of using uh, data science. I'm not sure if I like the word ethics in there, but it's the appropriate use of data science in that mix. So we ended up, we, we, uh, we published a, um, a, 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 a data science uh, ethics framework for government um, uh, 18 months ago, would it have been now? And um, it was really intended as a first step, certainly not the last step, and there was quite a few things. It's more like a, 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 a mechanism. If you're working in government, you're starting to do a data science project, here's a way to work through some of the questions about are you doing this properly? Is this going to be, a, a, you know, you do something that may be legal, but may be, like, you know, deeply worrying to people, or are you going to do something that's accidentally illegal? It's a way to try and find your way through that process. Um, uh, so I'm glad to see that there. Really interesting process that we went through in trying to design that, uh, but I'm glad now to see that uh, agenda really picked up, not just for within government, but across the whole of economy with our colleagues in DTMS. <coughs> And with organisations like the Royal Society, for instance, taking really active interest in that. And you know, I do think it's very important that we have that, that element of policy. So if you like policy about this very fast-moving um, uh, agenda uh, in place. Um, 
one of the other things that uh, we're working on in that data side is, is trying to fix governance data and infrastructure. And I think it's probably no surprise to say that quite a lot of this is in a mess. Um, if any of you uh, uh, analysts have been working, I thought I'd get, usually get a good groan at that point or uh, a sort of few embarrassed lapses. This is a you know horrifically typical um, question. So this is actually from a company's house, but it's no respect uh, their fabulous digital team over there in company's house. But this is a field that really should say UK. Uh, but we've relied on free text entry on web forms to say what country you're from. So, you know, I'm from Scotland. Uh, um, but of course, this makes it really difficult. You're then going to try and use that data to be able to do a drop down of uh, if you're making a web form or you, you're building a digital service. This is a massive pain point. But I think the biggest challenge comes around when it comes to analysis. And of course, we've got sophisticated tools that can work through some of these issues, but it's all time and friction and hassle. And very often, people just throw their hands up and go, it's just too hard or it tends to take too much time or money to work through. So um, we were looking at this thing that we were calling registers. And it was the, the premise that actually, uh, in any organization, you're, at the moment, you're holding and you're creating lists of things that you're not responsible for. So if you take something like uh, Food Standards Agency or something like that, They'd be curating lists of businesses, lists of local authorities, lists of countries, all that they knew were probably wrong because they're from web forms, um, but there was no authoritative source that they could pull that data in into their own service. And at the same time, they were also producing really valuable data, you know, like the, the one to five star thing, that you, the green form that you see on um, restaurants and takeaways and stuff. Now, that data, again, is really interesting to other services that might want to use that for analysis or in the, in the moment of a transaction, but it was very hard to get hold of an accessible data. So we work through a program, it's still very much uh, ongoing, um, on, uh, on, on what we call registers. So here's an example of, within my department, um, the register of local authorities in England, because only in England, because that's the only authority that we have. So we have a named curator of that data set. We, uh, it's their job to keep that data set up to date. It's there for a platform in GDS and others, whether in um, you know, the, the public sector or the private sector, can draw on that and know that that is the authoritative list um, uh, of, of um, local authorities. So have a look if you're interested. There's a, a bunch there. Are, uh, it's fabulous, but it's really boring in a really important way. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, another thing uh, on the infrastructure side is I think this is so important from policy. I really wish... Uh, my policy colleagues would deeply understand this issue, and unfortunately too few, I think, do at the moment, though I think that's changing, is realizing that um, we no longer need to rely on bulk data shares, where you have a bulk download of all or some of a, uh, a big database, and you transplant and make a copy across, and then you use that within your own processes. And we have, you know, it's hardly new, folks, you know, we have um, the ability to be able to query data sets um, with our machines, um, uh, through application programming interfaces, APIs. And they say it's, these are not new things, but in the public sector it still feels like this is a, a quite a new technology and certainly not widespread. So our colleagues in HMRC have actually been uh, in many ways at the forefront of that. And across government we're starting to see uh, some of the uh, technical guidance coming through for APIs so people can know how to, uh, what the processes are, what the technical standards are for you can uh, query from one data set to another data set. It allows you to do things like saying, you know, does Paul earn over £40,000 and has he uh, been resident in the country for a certain number of years so people can work out whether I should say be a visa sponsor or something like that without having to go, I'm going to download all of Paul's um, uh, uh, history of earnings 
um, in order to ask that sort of question. So there are advantages in terms of efficiency and speed, but also in terms of the control and access um, uh, uh, and privacy of data uh, to the public. And you can know, be able to see, uh, there's some nice examples where you can see, uh, so if we're going to check now a number of different data sets to see if this is true, and there's a greater uh, visibility about that data. Another type of, again, of um, uh, core data that I think is a uh, sort of infrastructure that is often not thought about is um, we talk about data in lots of different ways. We talk about data like very high-value, um, refined products that uh, ask um, lots of questions from clean data and it's gone through a process. There's tons of data about stuff, about things. There's actually a relatively small number of data that many other data sets sit on top of. And that data set, those data are really, really important. So for something like addresses, you know, is there a free and open and accessible list of all the addresses in the country? There are in these places, um, and uh, not so much uh, uh, at all in the UK. Um, Similarly, things like our mapping, the core detailed mapping of the country, is something that um, the Chancellor picked up um, uh, in the budget uh, in uh, spring. Um, and this is something, again, that people are... Um, wasn't spring, sorry. Budget's now in November, thank pardon. Um, uh, and uh, something that we're working with across government. And the reason why I mention it in the context of thinking about policy and public policy is the terms of, you know, this isn't like maps, like you go to a shop and buy a map. This is maps as in a, a collection of data sets and references that enable you to link lots of other data together and situate it in a place. So the, the licenses, the way in which that data is held, the accessibility of the app data, it becomes actually a public policy question and a spending question not so much a technical question. So that's something that people are, are working through at the moment, and again, a nice um, example. And the third bit I was talking about on the, on the, uh, the data program is around how do we use data better. And you know, I think um, you know, some really, really interesting things about, um, uh, yes, we've fixed all plumbing on data, but what do we then uh, do with it? So uh, a few years ago, we started off that program that I've alluded to. We started to say, you know, I've got like three or four data scientists in GDS. We know of, uh, you know, the others in the security world. We know a few pieces, a few that we've bumped into. But we had no sort of common picture of what was happening there. So we, um, we knew that there would be lots more and some really interesting things going on in places like the health and safety executive, you know, places you might not have thought of being um, uh, necessarily, uh, uh, you know, real... Uh, centerpieces for this type of activity, um, but we did find that, and actually, since we've got um, you know some real centres of excellence, so things like this is from the, the data science campus in Newport, uh, which is part of the Office for National Statistics. So, for me, going from that that conversation some years ago of people saying, "Well, Paul, this is all you know," we did we've been doing maths for years. What's changed? Through to the ONS having this really cutting edge, um, you know, fabulous uh, uh, resource doing some really fascinating work, I think is a really big step forward. And we do things like, you know, we brought together, and I'll talk about this a bit more about what it means to be really of the internet and of the sort of times we live in, a bottom-up community of those data scientists, um, you know, sharing their experiences, working together in Slack, sharing codes, having meetups, just working in a very, very different way from our top-down hierarchical sort of Humphrey-ish um, archetype um, or stereotype, really. Of, of how government works, although sometimes it does feel that we're a little bit um, uh, too much like that now and again. Um, so, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, sorry, the other things are uh, on open data. I mentioned I looked after that. I still, you know, we're still there, right at the top of the, uh, the international tables of making our data uh, sets open. 
Um, it allows lots of interesting things. So, of course, it's changed how we think about transport. You know, we, we wouldn't go about, um, you know, getting on buses and tubes and trains and finding parking spaces in anything like the same way now as we did a few years back. And uh, the, the making uh, data that was either gathering dust on civil service machines or some <coughs> more active process than that, making that available to uh, entrepreneurs, whether civic or uh, private or indeed in public, uh, has resulted in lots of changes. So, um, again, it's thinking about uh, bringing this back to policy. Actually, your policy problem can shift and change if you enable uh, a, di a different way of uh, others to come at those problems. Instead of having a big government database of all the timetables in the world, actually getting that data out and allowing other people to do it has made a massive difference. So this was just an example from uh, relatively recently. Um, uh, my department released um, uh, energy performance certificates. So you know when you move house, you have to get the certificate. It says how, uh, how heat uh, um, efficient is your house. Well, that data set, we've made that uh, available, but one of the interesting things, it also contains square footage of houses. So it enabled people to put together that data with lots of other data. So I'm interested, I'll talk about on the housing and land and planning data side. Um, you've got really interesting visualizations, really within, with, these are within 24, 48 hours of us releasing that data set. You've got a really different take of how people are being able to analyze and inform people about the, the, the nature of the uh, property market and the, and the prices of the property market. So in many cases, an unforeseen um, uh, benefit as a result of that data. So that gives you a bit of a sense of, over the last few years, I think, hopefully, a, a sense of where, as, as a government, um, and at the center, we've been trying to move some of that debate. I'm going to give you now just a bit of thought about what it feels like, having made that shift uh, back again to a, a, a big department, uh, taking on the roles not just on uh, data but of the broader digital and technology space um, and what that feels like. So as my colleague took that photo, uh, as I was wrestling with our, um, I don't know how old, 10 year old laptops and things. Now the good news is, you know, we, we have uh, real machines uh, and they're being rolled out as part of my job uh, for this summer for all the thousands of civil servants. I can't watch that, just, sorry. Um, uh, 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 across our department, so also the systems underneath that. But it's so I, I think the reason I included it not is because um, government's not capable of changing those things. We are, and we we are, you know, we, we're we're on it, and that is changing, and will be really good. But it's just a reminder that it's easy to talk about all the highfalutin um, things like uh, machine learning and data science and other things, and actually there's quite a lot of the day-to-day uh, -day fixing that needs to happen across not just. Uh, my department, not just other parts of Whitehall, but across many of the other parts of the public sector in order to make this network uh, come together. And again, that comes down to um, what level of leadership and understanding is there about how much this has changed, how important it is for the day-to-day -day operation of the, uh, uh, the organizations. So um, in my job, I'm looking after a couple of things on the corporate side, so the, the, the kit and the systems that underpin that. Um, also thinking about how the, the world of digital world is changing how we work as an organization. So being able to uh, collaborate, working more openly, iterating rather than looking for big bang solutions, all those things that we've learned from how we've developed software uh, and applying them into other um, areas. But I also use um, the world of digital to support the core activity of our department. So uh, on, on the housing agenda, probably the, you know, the government's biggest um, domestic policy agenda at the moment and also on local government reform. So just a little bit on the housing side. And it's really noticeable from the housing white paper published 
um, about a year ago, actually, almost exactly. Um, you know, the, the, the focus on fixing a broken market. You know, it was really explicit that that was. You know, there are there are um, issues with the, um, uh, the 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 way in which that market is structured, and uh, we. You know, what we're trying to do is to help. Uh, bring some uh, reform and change into that market, make it easier for SME uh, housing developers to be able to go and find uh, 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 places that they could develop and understand the risks and consequences of taking on those developments. Um, but when we did some you know, internal uh, work and you know, user research with the, the, the entrepreneurs in the sector, and uh, whether the digital and data entrepreneurs or the, the, develop, the housing developers, or different types of developers themselves, you found these like actually there's a real barrier here to be able to find the data in the first place. Be able, you know, it's there often, but it's not there from a from a perspective of someone's trying to build a product on top of that data. And again, it comes back to how much of a technical skill set do we have in government that understands uh, what a machine readable data set that is reliable that you could go and build a business on really, really looks like. And trying to bring that skill set in is something that that I'm very much focused on. Um, but there are great examples. So Land Insight is, is uh, uh, one of those SMEs doing interesting things. Uh, Urban Intelligence, again, bringing together all the data around the, the London plans. Uh, they're making use of this data um, uh, from across the public sector. Second thing I mentioned about uh, local authorities, again, really, really fascinating space. So we're, we're not short of people going, maybe we should do you know, more progress on digital across local government. So this Nesta report, actually, it's, it's got um, a date from only really uh, uh, was a couple of years ago, but I think actually a lot of the work was happening um, uh, prior to that as well. Uh, and there's many, many other things that I could have included there. Um, you know, really, we've also have this. This is, this is a, 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 um, something from the um, local gov camp. You know, this collection of people working like the, the at the coalface in digital across local governments. There is this community there. They are coming together. They are sharing. They are starting to work in a different way. They're realizing that it's not the big one uh, size fits all single uh, system for, I don't know, people think housing or um, repairs or whatever it may be, but actually understanding we've got to move towards disaggregated software in the way that the rest of the world has done, understanding that the uh, access to data through open APIs is a really fundamental part of enabling current reform, but the next generation of reform. And more than anything, I'd say, you know, an obsessive focus on the citizen lived experience and the, the sort of user needs if it's a, a transaction. But that really, really hard focus on not just the technology, but what is the need of the service change that is required. So um, I'm working uh, in, in concert with uh, those reformers across the local government sector uh, and uh, with others in central government that have an impact to try and think about how we can... Um, show that, that direction of reform, work with people, and things like you know, do, developing common service patterns. And again, do, when we think about policy, do policy people think in the same sort of way of saying, you know, all local government's different, it's, it's different by feature, not as a bug, it's like constitutionally separate. Um, a residence parking service is gonna look different in Devon as it does in the city of Manchester on purpose because they're different places. But you know what, there's an awful lot of common features. You don't have to start from scratch and you don't have to take a legacy product that sort of does it but is a terrible experience and doesn't allow you access to the data in order to get there. So we'll be working with people to try and develop these, these design patterns, these technical patterns, the routes through to procurement. But again, I think for me, the thing to pull out on the policy side is realizing that um, uh, common uh, repeatable patterns and design patterns is something perhaps lacking from our uh, uh, our uh, itinerary, our, our toolkit. I mean, 
So this last bit really is just some things to perhaps get the conversation going, some things of reflections, private personal reflections from me, uh, given the jobs that I've done, thinking about this place of data and, and uh, especially within the world we work in. So first is we just got crack on and do this stuff. Um, we had the government's transformation strategy published uh, about a year ago. It sets out the broad direction. And what's interesting is to see, okay, we don't have a, a central uh, data team in uh, GDS anymore. We don't have that same sort of focus. But what we do have is the, the main government departments really taking this, this issue on. I'm doing it in my department, and there's plenty of others in the big main departments making this stuff happen. Um, a second challenge is <laughs> the system ministers, AI can transform the way you live uh, right now. Uh, and um, I think there's a, a lot in understanding that we're right at the foothills of what artificial intelligence and machine learning can do. Uh, yes, it's very hard, um, but actually I think that the opportunity from, for uh, some um, very serious changes in the efficiency, the experience that we have, um, these are starting to work through now uh, and uh, there's only more to come. I think when we're in that world, um, there are some, you know, really, uh, you know, truly profound companies like DeepMind and others doing some really interesting work. Um, but we also want you to understand and bring people with us and understand that that the, the mechanisms that we need to develop um, <coughs> trustworthiness in this agenda are very important. Back to that, uh, the ethics of AI before, but things like you know, just keeping a log of where are we using algorithms? Are we clear what data set the data was trained on? Are we clear which version of which algorithm was used for which decision? Um, actually, I think it's quite a lot of quite basic things that um, that will help us out until the robots. We can't talk about data. We're talking about the robots uh, and the robot apocalypse. <laughs> right. um, uh, but there's something here about um, okay. Well, there's quite a lot of things we can do now, but quite what happens in 20 odd years, I don't know. I don't know about you, Mike. The sort of advert algorithms, I sort of feel like the singularity is some way off. Uh, I still can't work out that I don't want to watch that film on Netflix, and I've already watched that film, thanks very much. Uh, so I feel like it's not an imminent danger, but you know, at some point, uh, the, the world changes very profoundly. And given how long it took me to get legislation on data access through, <laughs> you know, we do need to work on this now. So it's very good that Royal Society and others are looking at it. Um, I think another challenge is we can't, you know, you've got You've got to do the hard work as well as the fancy work. Um, and, and, you know, I was like, you know, uh, reminded from, I think it was Mike Bracken back in the day from Government Digital Service, you know, showing these pictures of um, the, uh, the fabulous uh, uh, water, um, the Victorian sort of water infrastructure and the pride that people took in, like, doing plumbing well. Uh, there's a metaphor for us in our, um, in our modern age to spend time getting our data infrastructures right, doing the hard work to understand that user-led design is not just a weird bolt-on, but actually is really fundamental to making the next, um, the next uh, generation work. Uh, a slight weird obsession of mine about uh, data, this might seem very obvious to you from a government and policy uh, background, um, but it is interesting. Um, in fact, this is the example I was talking about earlier. There's lots of transactional digital services. A lot of the progress we made in digital has been on transactions. So if I want a thing, government, can you give me the thing? This is proves my eligibility. Yes, I'll give it you. But a lot of government isn't that. Government's about, you know, the, the, it is about you, but it's about your family, your neighbours, the town, uh, the people that get the, um, the, the, um, uh, the, the side effects of the things that you do, the taxpayers and all those other things. And I think when we're thinking particularly about data, we've got to understand data in that context. So uh, we often, you know, uh, accidentally almost talk about ownership of data. So I think there's points where, like that example from DVLA I showed that 
the control and visibility about where your data is, really, really important in those transactions. But when we're talking about, I don't want to be in a world where we just say, I'd like to remove my data from the statistical data set, please, so I control it. Or I don't want to let you uh, work out that I shouldn't be fit to drive my car and I've got it crashed into other people. You know, there's, there are consequences on others that we need to be really careful for, uh, uh, careful about when we talk through. And then my last bit, really, is this is my plea, this is my like big sort of message to you uh, as a set of people uh, interested in this, is that um, I've got this weird history where I've cut across these different government professions, and the case actually happened last week. I, was, I had to put in a box what government profession I was, and I was allowed a secondary one, so long as it wasn't my job. Um, and I, didn't, I just don't know what to put anymore. It's like, these things don't quite make sense to me. But I think there's a lot of us that have got to be in that place. We've got to sort of um, uh, reform our understanding of how these, uh, how these things work. Yes, we can put lots of services on the internet, fine. But what do we really take as the lessons from the internet about uh, the internet as a shorthand, you know, but um, uh, of how we work, these sort of business processes, the mindset, the way of working into that space. So I've been um, uh, a small part of a, a bottom-up community that's been working on uh, that space between the digital and policy world. So uh, one team government, um, you know, nice active uh, uh, Twitter, as you'd expect, but also uh, websites and blogs and other things. And for me, this is like actually not government saying we need to do a thing. It's actually that people have found each other. People have found their own networks. So it's not, you know, it's like when we, we did a, an unconference for the top 200 civil servants that get together. Um, but it's like, you know, we don't belong to them. We just, some of us happen to be working in government, some in local government, some in commercial or, or civic sectors. Um, but it's, I think for me, this is the, the big message. And I'd say if you're, if you're interested in public policy in this, in this uh, uh, day and age, then you, if you're not engaged in this sort of thinking in this community, that world's going to leave you behind. We did things like, so I did like a, a reading list about digital uh, for policy people to kind of like, you know, maybe that helped like quite like reading stuff sometimes, don't we? Um, and then, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, this is like, you know what, maybe that's not the point. Maybe it's just go and do some stuff. Uh, and uh, Kit Collingwood from DWP, I think it's got a really important message there about, you know, you could read some stuff or you could just go and do it, folks. Um, which is probably uh, the more important thing. Um, and then, um, again, if one thing from that list I would say point out is things like really understanding this idea around government as a platform, not perhaps in the way that we've used it sometimes in GDS and recently to say uh, component software, but actually really understanding this from the, uh, the Tim O'Reilly point of view and this idea that um, you know, we, we, we provide a framework with which others can uh, operate. So through data, through rules, uh, through uh, a license to operate um, and actually understanding in the way that you know uh, Amazon has blown apart how retail works it's not about the shops it's about the platform and it provides places for other people to operate obviously true with all the, uh, the major um, uh, big platform internet companies what are the implications of that at a profound level for us working in government I don't think we're really working through it all I think Mark Thompson from Methods is prompting in that space uh, say Tim O'Reilly what back in 2010 was writing about it but I'm not sure many of us have really uh, understood that this for me is, is, is one of the really big shifts in public policy reform over the next uh, decade or so uh, and examples like what does that mean in practice a nice one um, from uh, was it the London Ambulance Service who worked on a good time so the idea is if you're trained as a um, person that can be a first response uh, first responder and use a defibrillator and help people with uh, heart attacks you just sort of register, and so when, when that happens, 
they can ping, you know, the, the ambulance people can ping you, and if there's someone there that will get there quicker before the ambulance, then, um, you know, happy days. Uh, it's good until the ambulance comes. So that sort of thing for me starts to get to that space of the civic side of it as well as the, um, uh, the service side. So that's me. Um, I hope that gives you a sense of uh, what I've done, a bit about the history, a bit more about the hopes, like not um, uh, too techy about the, the, some of the changes that are going on. But I think my overall message is I think um, these distinct barriers between the policy world, the digital world, the data world, they have to shift and collapse, and people really have to have a deeper appreciation of these, of, of each other's. It's not just one direction, by the way, of each other's uh, work and the value that that can bring. Okay.